You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, A.G. Andrews of jaysrunacouch.com, riding solo. I hope you all enjoyed the series with Scott MacArthur. We definitely will be doing that again at some point in the future because I like talking to Scott and y'all seem to like it. So feel feel free to dream about the topics we will be discussing later on in the season. So there is baseball to talk about now, which is awesome, right? It feels like it's been forever since... The Blue Jays last touch of baseball, but we do have stuff from spring training to discuss. So that is what today's episode will be dedicated to. I'm going to talk about pitching in the second half, most notably the competition for the fifth starter spot. But I want to start with the batting because arguably the batting, it, it takes a little little bit to materialize at least in the case of some batters. I mean, Lourdes Gurriel has not looked good so far. But there are some things that we can point to, at least to a couple of guys who are kind of fighting for jobs at the moment. And let's start with the star of Saturday's 2-1 win over the Yankees, and that was Anthony Alford, because he caught a lot of eyes, everyone looking at him. He's... He sold three bases in an inning, some heads-up base running, seemed to be on base, and I was like, yes, this is the Anthony Alford we wanted. This is the guy who we think can play center field and be a star. Let's slow the roll on that just a bit. Yes, what Anthony Alford did against the Yankees was impressive. It was Kevin Pillar-esque, what Alford did in managing to basically turn a single into a home run the way he was stealing bases. But that's not the problem with Alfred. Alfred's always had speed. We know that. The problem is actually getting on base and using that speed. He's he's like a poor man's Billy Hamilton, which, dear God, Billy Hamilton is poor enough as it is. But that was seen in the next couple days with Anthony Alfred when he went 0 for 4 with... I believe three strikeouts. I It was either three or four. But suffice to say, not great. Was not able to get on base. Was not able to use that speed. And if Alfred wants to stick around with the Blue Jays, he has to be able to do that at a more consistent level. He's not going to get regular playing time if he can't get on base. He's going to be reduced to that Billy Hamilton type, to a Terrence Gore, to a guy who just comes in as a pinch runner or a defensive replacement, and that's all his value is. And I mean, that's fine. But the Blue Jays are trying to figure out what they have in the outfield. And if Anthony Alford can't prove that he offers more than just the speed, he's not going to last long past the season. Like His his run as the longest tenured Blue Jay will be coming to an end. And after that, I don't... I can't even remember who's next on that list 
for the longest tenured Blue Jay. Nope. Not coming to me. It, it might be Randall Grichuk. Which, that says a lot of things. Anyway, I don't want this to be entirely negative. And I, I could, you know, use Grichuk as a positive. He's off to a good start. He's got a 600 on base percentage so far with a pair of walks, which, given how rarely he walked during the regular season last year, if Grichuk can develop more of a batting eye, I mean, that's only going to help his chances of, you know, building on a season where it was, it was very much a roller coaster with him. But instead, I want to talk about another guy who's battling for position because, I mean, Grichuk's going to be center fielder. We all know that. That's not up for debate at this time. There's no one else. So I want to talk about Rowdy Telez instead. Now, a lot of pundits had already basically written Rowdy Telez out of the plans for the Blue Jays with the acquisition of Travis Shaw. They're like, oh, Shaw's going to play first base and Rowdy's just going to be the the bat off the bench. And I think that might have been writing off Rowdy a little too quickly. Um, sources told me that he was looking a lot better. It looked like he trimmed down a bit during the winter when he made his appearance at Winterfest. He was looking svelte compared to what we saw of Rowdy Tellez last season. And again, in that game against the Yankees, you kind of saw it and you, you saw a renewed sense of patience almost from Tellez, which again... He, he has a similar problem to Randall Grichuk in that he needs to work on developing that, that batter eye to the point where he can coax walks and get on base and not just offer up at pitch after pitch after pitch and just, you know, waste at bats with strikeouts. So if if Rowdy has, you know, calmed down, is, has started to develop that, that's going to be very helpful in him keeping a hold of that first base job that was essentially handed to him when Justin Smoke took a seat last year. Now, again, these are these are minimal samples so far. So take everything being said on this podcast with a grain of salt. But two for four so far with the walk. He has a pair of RBIs. That's a good start for Rowdy Telez. If he can if he can maintain some semblance of this and take anything he learned from, from last season and, and put it to use now and, you know, again, start being able to work pitchers to get those pitches that he can drive over the wall, then again, that's going to be a big benefit for the Blue Jays. And if he can show enough that, Travis Shaw becomes a super utility guy playing second, playing third, giving Vlad the day off in the field, giving Kevin the day off or or moving Kevin to the outfield. That will really help the Blue Jays' flexibility. And if they can just pencil in Telez as that lefty bat, that takes a lot off the Blue Jays' minds. So it's a good start for Rowdy Telez. I want to see him continue it. We're going to talk about the pitchers and some not-so-great starts right after this message you are locked on blue jays your daily toronto blue jays podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and we are back 
so we spent the first half talking about the hitters and praising Rowdy Telez and trying to slow people's rolls on Anthony Alford. Easier said than done. Less easier said than done is trying to figure out who the heck is going to be in the Blue Jays' rotation after the four major league arms that are coming back to the fold for 2019. And it is going to be four. I've seen people leave Matt Shoemaker out of it, but they have him throwing like scheduled games and stuff. You seem to be confident that his knee is recovered from the ACL injury. So Shoemaker is going to be in the rotation. That's not up for debate in my mind. But... So far, we have seen three candidates for that fifth spot go out. And again, these are very small sample sizes. These are, you know, two innings at most. But it was a very strong two innings for Trent Thornton in the opener against the Yankees. It was a strong pitching performance in general for the Blue Jays in that game. I mean, you had guys like Yancy Diaz and Brian Moran and... Um, Jordan Romano going out there throwing throwing solid innings, which is exactly, you know, what the Blue Jays want to see from some of these younger arms that they're throwing out there, trying to figure out who's going to remain a starter, who's going to be shifted to bullpen consideration. So Trent Thornton going out there setting the tone immediately bodes very well. I said that I believe he's going to be starting the season in Buffalo as their ace, but he might force the issue, I mean, with Ryan Barucki being essentially taken out of the competition, Thornton became a co-favorite with Shun Yamaguchi. And for Thornton to go out there first innings of the season to set the tone the way he did, he was locating well, he seemed to have control of his curveball. That's what the Blue Jays need to see because they can't have the kind of wild episodes that plagued Thornton a lot last season where he would just kind of lose control of everything and teams would start teeing off on him. So it was a very promising start for him. And then you had Anthony Kay on Sunday. I don't think Kay is a strong candidate for the fifth spot given he was just acquired. He just made his debut debut last season after a very quick rise. Yes, he's a collegiate pitcher, but he also had injury issues, so you don't want to rush that. I'm certain K is going to be starting in Buffalo, and that's the best spot for him. He can just chill. He can work on his craft a little more, and that's what the Blue Jays want from a lot of these pitchers. The ability to let them work on their craft instead of what they had to do last year, which was Again, throwing them to the wolves just because they had no other option. So, I mean that that was a that was a rookie level performance for Anthony K, and I'm not mad at him for that. This is spring training; it's what it's for. He's going to get a long look as the most viable lefty arm to fill that that fifth slot now that Barucki is out, but. Again, I don't think the Blue Jays are as concerned about that lefty-righty matchup, especially given Thomas Pinone is the only lefty slated to make the Major League team. Who knows? Maybe Mark Zepchinski makes a run at it now that he's been brought into the camp. And, I mean, I I have to take a little back on Brian Moran. He doesn't have much, but what he does have, he knows how to work with it. Granted, it was against Yankee scrubs, but... Still, I'll, I'm willing to give him a shot. 
So, with Anthony Kay having an excusable performance, that brings into stark contrast Shun Yamaguchi's American debut, which was not great. He lasted two-thirds of an inning against Atlanta and gave up three hits, three earned runs, walked a batter. He has a 40-50 ERA in spring training to show for that performance. And, like, he just, it did not look like he was, he was ready for the American game, almost. And that's the thing you worry about with pitchers coming over from Japan, how quickly they're going to be able to make that adjustment. And... MLB's Keegan Matheson reported that Rafael Delis threw a batting practice session today and he was kind of skipping balls. And, you know, again, that's fine. You're shaking off the rust. You're shaking off, you know, adjusting to a different time zone. That's that's all right. Delis hasn't pitched in an MLB game in seven years. Yamaguchi has never pitched in MLB. It's just a little disheartening against, you know... A, the first few batters for Atlanta, they were their MLB batters because he faced um, Ender Enciarte, Dan- Dansby Swanson, Johan Camargo, and then Yonder Alonso, who he got out. But after that, it wasn't really major league level. And when you're letting a guy... Like Drew Waters, 21-year-old center fielder, start knocking you around. That's that's a little worrying because, you know, those are the kind of guys who should be a little overmatched right now. So, with Yamaguchi trying to make that adjustment and trying to come back, and again... Keegan Matheson's down in Florida. He's doing some great reporting. Even adjusting to the size of the ball that he's throwing. It It is going to take some time. So I'm not entirely worried about Yamaguchi's performance. I know I did say what's Japanese for yikes. But, I mean, you can have those yikes outings and still eventually be alright. Now, I know when I was talking with Scott, we said Yamaguchi is eventually going to be in the bullpen because Nate Pearson is coming. But you still want him to feel comfortable even going into that role. And, you know, there are three very injury-prone guys in the Blue Jays' rotation. It's not going to take much for one of them to go down, and then Yamaguchi is a fixture the same way Trent Thornton was last year. So, you have to hope that Yamaguchi can start making that adjustment very quickly. We're going to see over the next couple weeks, you know, how he takes to that bigger ball. And it will go a long way in determining, you know, what kind of liberties the Blue Jays can take with their pitching staff. If they can afford to stash Trent Thornton in Buffalo. If they can you know, have have that versatility in the bullpen. That will remain to be seen. So, 
those are just some early spring training thoughts to get you through the cold winter months, wherever you are. So, hope you enjoyed. It's a pair of split squad games today. So, I'm going to try and keep tabs on them, but there's there's going to be a lot to go through. So, we shall see. If you want to talk to me about things you've seen in spring training or just want to complain about Shun Yamaguchi or, you know, MLB TV not being able to show Blue Jays games during a regular season, because I'm all for complaining about that. If you want to do so, you can follow me and hit me up on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb. You can subscribe to the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya. However you get podcasts, you can download an episode. You can tell your phone or your playback device, just say, hey, play Locked on Blue Jays, and it'll do it because technology and stuff. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Locked on Jays. If you're not a Twitter person, and I can totally understand why you would not be, Facebook's a great way to get a hold of us as well. And we will do our best to respond and have good conversations. And if not, then you can go ahead and get blocked because who needs you? No one. No one needs you if you're going to be like that. So, you know, try and be positive. And we'll do this again tomorrow. So for everyone at the Lockdown Podcast Network and everyone at jsrnacouch.com, I'm E.J. Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.